0: Let's open the Gospel of Mark together, shall we? Um, we are in, we are just like blistering pace here. We are now in Mark chapter 2, so we're just rolling. So join me in Mark chapter 2, if you have your Bibles open, if not, I'll put it on the screen. Um, it's a cool story this morning. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, a story of an encounter with Jesus, and to lead us into that, I want to share with you um, something that happened to me. I was down in, um, in Southern California when I went through seminary and for a while after that, The church I was part of was a bigger church, kind of near Hollywood and all that. So we'd get these celebrities that would show up to church from time to time. And it was always like a cool thing. So one Sunday, we had Leanne Rimes um, came to church. And um, so those of you that are over a certain age know what I'm talking about. Um, it's probably possible to be too old to get that reference and too young to get that reference, actually. So anyway, Leanne Rimes was there. And it was like, I, I wasn't able to, like, be that close to where she was sitting. But I imagine for the people sitting directly in front of her, it was like a really lovely experience, you know? when that person that's just singing behind you is a better singer than the people on the stage. Like, that's a cool um, experience. And um, so she was there. It was, like, it was like, oh, man, how cool to have Leanne Rimes there. Well, as a contrast, we had this woman. She would always sit kind of, towards the front, and she was there every week, and she was um, just extremely passionate, and she was also extremely tone deaf. And so she would just sing at the top of her lungs um, every week, and it was awful. Like, I'm, I'm not even, like, you would, you would be anywhere in this thousand-seat auditorium, and you would be like, that person is singing loud, and they're terrible. Like, you would, I know you would think that. In fact, matter of fact, we have, I don't know if you guys know, we have these microphones um, that, like, make it so the band can hear you guys when you're singing. And she would sit, like, kind of the way that Pat Barnes likes to sit close to that thing and just belt it uh, into there. Um, I, I, she would sit real close to that thing so when we would be leading worship, it was like, oh my goodness, she is here and I can't hear the band, but I can hear this woman. So contrasting the two, right, I, I imagine that Leanne Rimes singing in that whole thing was just a very lovely, worshipful uh, morning of just this beautiful voice. But by contrast, here's the woman with the terrible voice, defying all, like, she had to have known she wasn't that good, but she didn't care what people thought. She loved her Savior, and she was there to worship him, and she just belted it. And there's something, like, really beautiful about that. Well, this morning, the story that we're looking at in the Gospel of Mark, I think, is very similar. It's somebody that senses a need for Jesus, and comes, and all conventions are off, all decorum is gone. It's simply, Jesus is here, and I am, like, I need to be close to him, and I love the picture of just abandon, and and a um, I do not care what anyone else thinks, I want to be close to Jesus. Here's how Mark uh, unfolds the story for us. First couple of verses here. When he, Jesus, returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home, and many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door, and he was preaching the word to them. So here's the scene. There's this crowd of people. Jesus is in a home. He says he's at home, so it's possible that it's Jesus house um, but but regardless like it's somebody's house and it's kind of back where he's staying in this town of Capernaum. And people, the word gets around that Jesus is there, and so he's there and he's teaching. And as you can imagine, Jesus teaching draws a crowd, and so the room is filled. And it's not just filled, but it's like there's people in the doorway. And I'm picturing people like a few rows back just kind of craning their necks, like trying to hear inside there. If there's windows to this house, they're like they're listening at the windows. Jesus is teaching, and the place is just packed. There's no room for anybody else in that space. And I'm picturing, like, who's, who's there in the room? It would have been, like, the early adopters, you know? It's, like, the people that kind of got a sense of what was happening with Jesus before other people were. And so they're, like, they're there. They see Jesus come back, or they're, like, well-informed. So they're, they get that seat in the place. Maybe they're, like, privileged enough to be Jesus' neighbors, you know? And so they're, like, there in the space, and they're able to listen. And it's a, um, a beautiful picture, honestly, of here's Jesus teaching, and people are, like, if he's there, I'm there, right? Listening to him teach. It had me thinking this week, wouldn't it be cool if, um, if like, why wouldn't we develop that sort of a vibe, right? So yeah, I know you guys are all, like, um, excited for the coffee and for the worship and for um, the, the, like, top-notch kind of preaching that you get when you come here. Um, but what if it was, like, hey, like, I, I know this isn't going to be the most exciting two, you know, hour and, an hour and 15 minutes of my life. Um, but someone's going to be there, and they're going to be reading about what happened with Jesus, right? They're going to be reading the words of Jesus to us, like, I've got to be there. Wouldn't wouldn't that be, like, really cool? Just like, hey, like, what what am I doing this morning? I don't know, but if I go to Creekside this morning, someone's going to be reading the words of Jesus, and so, like, I've got to get there, and just that anticipation of we're all leaning in to be like, what is Jesus going to say this week, and that need, like, we could have that vibe, uh, but I want to be clear. They were in this little house space. It's all crowded. It's compact, and just As far back as you could hear, that's where people are. There's no room for anybody anywhere. Okay, that sets the scene. Now, verse 3. And they came. Who's they? It's this little band of people, a, a paralyzed man and his four friends. It says, they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when he had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. So here are the... Late comers. Okay, they're coming to see Jesus, and here's this man um, that, like, I, I was thinking this week, what did it have been like to be a paralyzed man at this time? Okay, this is before the invention of wheelchairs, for sure, right? This is uh, before any sort of ADA compliance kind of stuff came out, before anybody cared about, like, hey, can we can we help people who are uh, have these disabilities to, like, get where they want to go and be a functioning part of society? Actually, the, the, as I was thinking about this, I was very thankful. We have a church partner, um, Dan Dranya, who does this ministry called All Access Church Consulting, where it's looking at people who have special needs or disabilities and saying, like, how do we help churches, like, make the community, like, give people access to the community and to Jesus and all that kind of stuff. It's a really beautiful kind of a thing. But here's this guy before any of that ever existed, right? And he's sitting there, um, and, and he would have just been like passively hearing all of the like gossip of what's going on, hearing about what Jesus is doing, hearing about where, Je- oh, he's, he's out in the wilderness today. We're, he- we're heading out there, and he's like, okay, have, have fun, you know? Um, and so he's hearing all about Jesus, and he's at a distance um, from the whole thing, but then he hears Jesus is down the street around the corner at this house right and he 's like i don 't know what that would have been like for him, but he has this sense i don 't know what he knew, but he knew if Jesus is there that 's where I need to be and so he either gets four friends like i 'd like to picture these guys as his friends, and he 's like guys like carry me over there if not, he somehow is able to convince four nice guys, I guess to carry him down, and they get there and just imagine right this guy 's like, "I get me there, get me there, get me there, and they take him down, and you get to the house right and it is it, there's no room. There's like the place is packed. You can't even stand in the doorway because that's crowded. All the windows are crowded. There's no access to Jesus after this guy gets there. I, I like that picture of him coming and arriving and be like, okay, there's not any room for me here. And I, I picture as I've been processing this this week, I have um, I used to teach uh, these these uh, at this Bible college in Southern California, and I have all these students that kind of uh, they're in this spot which I think a lot of like millennial, younger millennials and Gen Zs are at of like, you know, I trying to get close to Jesus in the church but the churches are are too full of of people that are like keeping me away from Jesus so what I think this looks like I'm just using this as an analogy are um you know I tried to get close to Jesus here um but the church is so full of people that are just like fake you know just artificial just kind of plastic and shallow human beings and so it's just too hard to like get close to Jesus in that spot um, you might say, like, the church is just too full of hypocrites for me to get close to what is actually happening with Jesus. I tried getting close to Jesus in church, but I just kept running into these people that would worship Jesus, but their lives were really gross and disgusting. The church is too full of people that are, like, too church—like, their churches are too full of church people. Like, that's a thing, you know? Um, we know the culture of it. We all, like, did our time in Awana, and we, like, know how to dress, and we've got our badges of, like, we're good Christian people— the church is full of nerds. Um, I feel like that's like a thing. And if you don't recognize that you being here makes you a nerd, you probably are like more of a nerd than you realize. Um, um, I've seen people stay away from the church because like the church is full of cliques, right? Like these people get in these little cliques and there's no room relationally for me in this spot. And so I can't really find a home in the church. I'm trying to get close to Jesus here, but I just can't be let into these circles. Or what I see a lot is there's people that I know uh, well and love that and respect that are like, I honestly would love to be close to Jesus, but I cannot get that close to him in churches because the church is too full of conservative people. Or, uh, on the flip side, there are places in the world, believe it or not, where people are like, I'd love to get close to Jesus, but the, the church is too full of liberal people. It, it's not here, but it's other places. <clears throat> in all these ways, we show up, like, I want to get close to Jesus, but I, I, there's not any room for me in that space. So, if that's, if that's you, if it's someone you love, I just want you to take a lesson from this guy. You might be right. There's people that make it harder to get close to Jesus. There's people, and, and everything I just said aside, all it takes is one relational thing to turn you off to the whole idea of church. Some one person that could be here that's like, I don't know, this maybe isn't for me. But if that's you, I would challenge you to be like this guy who is with his friends, get me to Jesus, shows up, finds there's no room for him there, there's no place for him there. But he says, okay, um, I know this isn't cool, but let's could you take me up on the roof and let's dig down and let's get me to where Jesus is? Like like today it would be really, we, we just, you guys were very generous a couple of years ago and we got a brand new roof on this whole place. So I just want to be really clear, not everything in the Bible is meant to be uh, imitated, okay? <clears throat> it would be culturally very inappropriate for you to go start digging through the roof and, and coming down that way, okay? We've got doors, they work great, there's plenty of space. We'll add a service if you guys need um, but, but it was also very culturally inappropriate back then to just go digging through somebody's roof, okay? So this would have been, I, I'm, I love picturing the scene. They would have had like um, uh, tree trunks or bran- big branches as like the roof holding it together. They'd have like kind of thatched stuff. They'd have like mud or maybe plaster on top to kind of hold everything together. But these guys go up there and they just start digging through, you know? And I'm just picturing, you know, Jesus is going through his whole deal and all of a sudden, you know, some people are kind of like looking up and, you know, like someone gets hit with like some mud or a leaf or something like, what's going on? And Jesus, like I, sometimes you guys get a little unruly in pockets and I just have to keep it together and stay focused, let you guys know it's all going to be okay, even though you guys can be really distracting sometimes. Jesus just trying to, you know, uh, it's like the Zoom calls that we've all been on so much and, you know, you're trying to make a serious presentation, but there's, construction with a jackhammer right outside your window, or your kids are bursting in. Jesus is just trying to keep holding it together. Definitely these guys are breaking norms, but they are like, we do not care that it's not okay to dig through a roof. This guy needs to be with Jesus, and so we're going to make sure we do everything we can to get this person at the feet of Jesus. Like, I, I would love to see the church, I would love to see Creekside Church, all of us, as these people that are like, okay, Jesus is there. Um, and I know that I need him, and I don't know how the norms work. I don't know how, like, but I just, whatever it takes, whatever anyone thinks, whatever, like, rules I have to break, I need to be there where Jesus is there. I I think we're lacking a lot of grit in a lot of areas. Um, I, I, um, at my house, uh, we've got a ceiling fan in our living room, and you'll be sitting there, and sometimes it just kind of starts to feel a little stuffy, you know, Um, and so it's, like, nice to flip on the switch, turn on the fan, but the the problem is you got to stand up from where you're sitting. Um, sometimes you have to set down a drink. you got to go over and, and flip the switch. So I installed a smart switch on the uh, ceiling fan in my house because you don't, you don't want to go through that all the time to like, stand up and walk over there. So now I just pull out my phone and, uh, and that thing comes on. Um, it's, it's lazy uh, to the extreme, but I highly recommend it. It's been really amazing. <laughs> I feel like that's not, as silly as that is, it's not that far from, I think, how we are with Jesus. So um, man, I just, I really want to get closer to Jesus in my life, right? And yet it still feels so hard to just kind of reach over there and grab the Bible that's sitting right there and open that thing up and start reading, right? The, the Bible is literally also on your phone, whether you know it or not. It's on your phone, and so you could be scrolling, you could just switch over to this screen and, re- you know, like, I want to be close to Jesus, but I, you know, it's like, oh, you guys, the bar, the the the. The ability that you have, the access that you have is right there. It's so easy. Could we just nudge you over that little threshold to get closer to Jesus? Or, man, I just really, like, need some wisdom and guidance I'm struggling with some stuff. Um, but, but we won't turn off the TV or turn off the podcast or the music to just sit and pray and, and ask the Lord, would you speak to us? Could I just listen to you for a minute? The bars that we have for some of these things are so low. And I'm not, I'm, like, bashing myself at least as much. Like, there's reasons why things spiritually are hard. But... Um, I'm just telling you, like Jesus is there. He, his word is right there. You all have access. We, spiritual growth is like right there. It like could be attained if we just put a little bit of effort to it and has, to it. And I would love to see us have a little grit and be a little more like these guys that are just saying, okay, showed up, uh, but I, there still wasn't access to Jesus. All right, forget that. We're going to make our own way in. And they just dig through that roof. They channel that desperation. They just say, all right, um, I don't know. This is not okay. I get it. But, like, I need to be at the feet of Jesus. If we're worried what people think, if we're worried what's allowed, if we worry about um, norms or rhythms or whatever, man, we're going to fall short of this. And so let's just be a little more gritty and let's get there. So what happens when they do? They lower Jesus down. Okay, I can imagine Um, I can imagine everyone was just like, this is not cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know when someone just cuts in front of you in line, you're like, that's not cool, right? But here's these people that got there on time, and they're there for the service, and then, you know, um, this guy steals the show by just coming in from the roof. Um, So what does Jesus do? Let's read a little further. Verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. I'm going to pause right there. Jesus, like, sees their faith. This is the first time Mark gives us a glimpse into the faith of someone that's being healed. Jesus has been doing all these healings, but it seems like people are a little more passive in it. Here, Jesus sees their faith, and so he's calling attention to the fact that here's this guy that was led to Jesus by faith, right? If Jesus, if this man didn't have faith in Jesus, he would have just stayed where he was at. He could be content with hearing about Jesus from a distance, but he's like, there's something about Jesus that I know I need to get myself there and so Jesus sees his faith, but actually, it, what it says is, when Jesus saw their faith, it's plural. Jesus sees their faith, and I think that is a beautiful reminder because it's saying not just Jesus saw the faith of this man whose sins he's going to forgive. No, he sees the faith of this man and his friends, and Jesus responds um, in that moment to that. See, I I think it has implications for us because I, you know, we're we're individualistic, of course. Like it's it needs to be each of our individual faith in Jesus. But I think the implication of this is my faith can actually have an impact on what happens with your relationship to God and vice versa. There's those people in your life you know that like— you kind of believe in them in a way that they don't believe in themselves, right? Or you believe something about them spiritually, like, that that's possible. Maybe there's a seed of something in their life, and you believe before they believe. And I I just think the ways that we invest ourselves in the people around us of saying, okay, like, I, I mean, this person seems far from Jesus. The person doesn't see their need, but, like, doesn't matter. I'm kind of believing on their behalf, and so we begin to pray for that person, right We begin to just like just like God, please, would you just break in somehow? And I think so often the faith that we have um, it, it puts a better situation like so for this guy, it looked like his friends had enough faith to be like, okay yeah, we'll take you to Jesus. I don't know what's going to happen but we'll take you there. Like, maybe this will be something good. Um, I think there's this implication for the way that we can kind of believe and and man just kind of be full of faith for each other. Um, I think makes us this better, uh, less individualistic and more community-driven thing where we're we're like seeing things in each other, believing in those things, investing in those things. So anyway, here's this little group that invested in this man by carrying him to Jesus, and here's Jesus, and when he sees him, he's not saying, okay, hey, uh, man, welcome. What can I do for you? Jesus sees him, sees the faith that he and his friends have to just get him there, and Jesus just leads in, not with what this guy thinks he needs, but what he actually needs and says, son, your sins are forgiven. Beautiful statement from Jesus. Not at all, I don't think, what, the, what this guy was going to ask for. Like, who knows, right? We, we see the scribes were, like, shocked that Jesus would try to uh, forgive this man's sin. So probably this man never would have been like, hey, Jesus, could you forgive my sin? He probably was going to be like, Jesus, my legs, can you do something there? Um, but Jesus just responds right away with what the man actually needs. When I, when I go to the, get my oil changed, I think I just need my oil changed and I find out every single time that I need a new radiator fluid and I need transmission fluid and I probably need brakes and whatever. There's like the upsell quality. Well, with Jesus, he's not selling them anything. He's simply like, okay, you came in here for new legs and I'm sending you out of here with your sins forgiven. Jesus sees deep down what actually needs to happen and sends this man out with bigger healing and basically says it to the man like it's already true. My son... Your sins are forgiven. Like, this is, this is real. This is true. Not your, sons, your sins will be forgiven. But Jesus is looking at a man in whom there already resided this faith of, like, I think Jesus can do something about my situation. And Jesus is like, man, that, that faith, like, through that faith, I am forgiving your sins. It's a beautiful picture. He came because he wanted his body healed, but he left with his soul healed. I think that's a beautiful picture picture of how it works. The, the body, the bodily healing doesn't always follow, but in this case it does, and that is a beautiful thing too. We'll get there in just a second. Okay, so Jesus forgives his sins. Verse six, now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? So the accusation is blasphemy, and this is a big one, okay? This is the one ultimately that Jesus is going to get crucified for is blasphemy. And the definition of that is it's basically um, claiming something untrue about God um, or claiming like a human being has some of the powers of God. So in um, John 10, we see they accuse Jesus of blasphemy because they say, because you, being a man, claim, are, like, make yourself to be God. So they're looking at Jesus like you're just a, a human, and you're making yourself to be God, that's blasphemy. That's kind of what's happening here. It's Jesus claiming, doing what only God himself can claim and do. And here's the the crazy thing. The scribes are correct about this. Okay, they are right. They're like, hey, hang on now. Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus is like, yep. Like, finish that equation. Yep, that's true. Uh, Only God can forgive sins. um, But here I am doing that. I love this Picture of Jesus coming and just doing what only God um, Himself can do. Also, interesting is here's Jesus in a house. He's not even in a synagogue, okay? If He was in a synagogue, that's where the religious people gather to to read the, the scriptures and to pray and those kinds of things. But it's just Jesus in a house you couldn't be forgiven of your sins even in a synagogue where it's uh, religious people and doing religious things. You had to go, if you want your sins forgiven at this time, you would have had to go to the temple. And in the temple, you would have had to do ritual uh, cleansing ceremonies. You would have had to make sacrifices, and then it would have taken a priest to stand there and say, hey, based on all these sacrifices and rituals that you did, you're now forgiven for your sins. No, instead, It's Jesus, not in the temple, not connected to the temple, not in a synagogue where the religious people are, but Jesus in a house talking to people about the word of God, and he's saying in that context, your sins are forgiven. This would have been absolutely mind-blowing. It would have been super inappropriate, and everyone's like, okay, hang on. Something crazy is being claimed by Jesus here that someone could show up, and, 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 and here's what we know. The temple uh, was great, it was all part of God's plan, but Jesus came to replace the temple. Wherever Jesus was, that's where forgiveness of sins could be found. And so this man, um, this man that was laying down the street and and unable to get to Jesus, his friends carry him there, that man knew more theology than these scribes did because he's like, I don't know, but I just need to get where Jesus is at, and that's where I need to be. That's exactly right. Wherever Jesus is, um, is where we need to be. Jesus is here forgiving their sins. This would have been huge, especially for Israel at this time, because they had the last kind of word they had heard from God was this end of the kingdom of Israel as they had been disobeying God for generation after generation. God sends them into uh, exile, into kind of slavery amongst the nations because of their sins. But God made these promises like someday— I'm going to come back and I'm going to forgive your sins and I'm going to restore the kingdom to you again. Here's Jesus and he's already come announcing the kingdom of God is at hand. And now there's this forgiveness of sins is coming. It's God is sort of preparing the way of like, yes, your sins as a nation are being forgiven. This man in particular, his personal sins are forgiven. And there's this opportunity now to watch God work. And what does that look like? We see in the last few verses here. Verse 8. so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. So here's Jesus. And what's interesting is the scribes are questioning, like, only God can forgive sins, and Jesus just said what he said. But they're, um, but they're religious people, so they didn't say it out loud, right? They're thinking it inside. So- they're just kind of quietly judging Jesus, right? And probably they would have, like, shared it as a prayer request later in their prayer group, you know? Um, <laughs> Um, there's this guy, and I just really want to be lifting him up, you know. Um, but they're sitting there judging him in their heart, and, and Jesus, uh, the advantage of being Jesus is he knows. He knows what's happening. He knows what they're thinking. He knows what's happening in processing their heart. This is kind of the first glimpse of that we get with Jesus, and it's not going to be the last one. It is super cool that Jesus knows what's happening internally. It's also kind of terrifying, isn't it? Like, all of you guys here are lovely people. I know most of you pretty well. Lovely, lovely people. All kinds of cool things about you that nobody else in here really knows. There's also some pretty shady things, okay? There's a lot of things. I'll just reassure you, uh, I'm not that charismatic. I don't know the dark things about most of you, okay? But the reality is, like, let's just say you came on a Sunday. It's like, hey, yeah, there's also going to be someone here that, like, knows all the bad stuff that you're hiding. You'd be like, I'm going to skip that Sunday, right? (laughs) (laughs) Except that the reality is that God knows all of it, right? Like he sees in your heart. He sees every single piece of what's happening in your heart. The beautiful thing, of course, with Jesus is he sees all that and yet loves you just the same and invites you into healing and relationship with him. But you are like deeply known. And so we we need to begin more and more to stop hiding ourselves from God as though us not thinking about it or us not admitting it to ourselves or to our friends or family or whatever as though that protects us from that being known, well, God knows all of it, sees what's in your heart, and um, and still loves you. So there's this beautiful side of that. But Jesus, knowing this, asks them, like, why are you asking this, this whole thing? And Jesus then uses it to demonstrate his power. He says, which is easier, to say to somebody, your sins are forgiven, or to say to somebody, rise, take up your bed, and walk? Well, in reality, it's e- equally probably easy to say both things, right? Those sentences are both pretty easy. But on the one hand, you have saying to someone, your sins are forgiven. Well, you can say that. That's impossible to forgive somebody's sins. Um, and it's also, like, unprovable. You know what I'm saying? Like, I could tell I could tell you right now, your sins are forgiven, and you guys would be like, wow, that is so cool that Mark could just forgive someone's sins, right? Because you can't see the results of it. But if I said to somebody in here, like, hey, uh, you're healed from whatever physical ailment, well, there's a way to demonstrate whether or not that actually happened, right? So Jesus is sitting here, like, yeah, I could say both of these, but like I want to show you that I have the power to forgive sins. And so he says, look, take up your bed and walk. And this man doesn't say a word, just simply gets up, walks out, right? He was lowered down through the roof, but he comes strolling out of that place. They they made room for him on the way out, but not on the way in, you know. And so he just goes. And um and Jesus basically, it's the mic drop of like, I told him his sins are forgiven. And I want to show you that his sins actually are by saying that he's healed, and you'll see that he's actually healed. So Jesus' power, man, Jesus' authority in all these ways, we've seen it already. Um, We've seen him have power over the demonic already. We've seen him have authority in his teaching. We've seen him have power to heal a bunch of people. Priscilla led us last week to this beautiful picture of this leprous man who was healed by Jesus. So we're seeing his power and authority, and we're just beginning to see again and again and again, and it will be true all through the Gospel of Mark, Jesus' power in more and more and more ways. It's demonstrated across the board. Here we see, my goodness, he actually even has power to forgive people of their sins. This is incredible. The way Jesus says it, I just want to, this is like a little theological bonus for you guys. um, But he says uh, in verse 10, that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. That that phrase, Son of Man, is theologically significant because what he's doing is he's quoting Daniel chapter 7. And in the book of Daniel, um, he's given this picture of what's coming ahead. And there's the Ancient of Days sitting on a throne. That's God the Father sitting on a throne. He's got all power and authority. But then there comes one like a son of man, and I believe that's what Jesus is referencing here, who comes and to him is given all this power and authority. So God himself, God the Father, has all the power to judge the nations. And here in Daniel 7, the Son of Man is given all this power uh, to kind of rule and judge the nations. What's beautiful in our story is Jesus is showing that the Son of Man has authority, same as Daniel 7, right? But what does he have authority to do? He has authority in verse 10 to forgive sins on earth. Power to judge, absolutely, but also the power and the authority to forgive people. Jesus is going to refer to himself several times in Mark as the Son of Man, and it's important to kind of see all these threads that are being picked up. And so he heals this man as the Son of Man, and um, and we're going to end by looking at people's responses. So. He rises, he walks out, um, and they're all amazed, and they glorify God, and they say, we never saw anything like this. That, man, is a theme throughout the Gospel of Mark, is people are just seeing Jesus do things, And they're amazed, right? They're like, man, I've never seen that before. And you can imagine, like, they're just following Jesus around. Like, hey, do you want to see something today that you've never seen before? Let's just go where Jesus goes because that kind of tends to happen wherever he goes. And so people are responding. And so for us, as we're reading and we're following along week by week, it's so healthy for us to just stop and sit in these people's responses and say, what would it be like to see that, right? To, To learn from their reactions to Jesus is really important. Of course, the more important question for us is asking ourselves, like, how am I going to respond to what I'm seeing? Like, we we're like, I'm sitting here making the claim that these stories were written long ago because they actually happened. Like, this was actually something that Jesus did. If you had been there 2,000 years ago at this moment in history, at this place on the globe, you would have seen this happen and you would be wrestling with, okay, what do I think about it? How am I going to respond to the fact that Jesus just forgave somebody's sins um, and also healed this person? Um, who was separated from him. We've got we to ask, respond to that whole thing. This man responded to Jesus in a certain way. He started with the faith to come and say, Jesus, I, I, I believe I could be healed. I think that's why he came. He also leaves with his sins forgiven. I, I think sometimes we come to Jesus with our expectations of, okay, here are the uh, three or four things in my life that are broken. I want Jesus to deal with this. Sometimes when we come to him it, with enough faith to say, I think he can do something about it, we find, he does way more or something different than we expect him to, Right? So you come with like that, I have got this cancer diagnosis. I've got this child that's like so difficult. um, I've got this marriage situation that's falling apart. And sometimes we come to God with those things and we find like he actually doesn't answer those things in the way that we want. He can and he does. This room is full of stories of miracles that God has done for the specific things we ask God to do. But also he doesn't always give us what we want. Um, I, I feel like as proof of that, I can just point out the fact that like presumably, eventually, this guy died, right? He, Jesus healed him today, but eventually something else got him, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, he didn't live forever, so he, he um you know, he was run over by a horse or something, or he got cancer or something. This man died, is all I'm trying to say. At one point, there was a point at which he had a prayer request for the Lord that went unanswered, and he went home to be with the Lord, okay? Same thing with everyone that's healed in all these gospel stories. So, I guess all I'm trying to say is, It doesn't always go down as like, hey, just pick whatever, ask God for it. He gives you exactly what he wants. I think we see a hint of it even here. He came because he had this need. Jesus did meet that physical need, but he also was like, and the bigger thing that you need is uh, for your soul to be healed in this. And I think, man, so often as we, we come with the faith just to say, okay, I don't, I think this is what I need, but what I know I need most is just to be wherever Jesus is and to ask him, would you address this? Would you work in this? And we've got to be open for him working in ways that we don't expect. It might be that you come needing, like, rest and relief from a physical ailment or a relational situation, but what Jesus knows you need is patience and endurance and faith that he can actually act in it. Like, that's a hard uh, way for God to answer a prayer, but that is a genuine good thing in your life. So all I'm trying to say is how do we respond? When we see things like this, do we say, okay, that's it. I need to be close to Jesus, and I'm going to get myself there. I'm going to exert the enormous effort to just be sitting there, turn off the TV, and reach over and grab my Bible instead. Like, would you, would you take that hard step for Jesus, you know? I'm mocking all of us a little bit. But I think that is, like it, like, it seems, it's crazy how hard that threshold can be to just get ourselves there. If you feel like you're in this spot, like this man and you're like, yeah, I think Jesus could do something about where I'm at. Um, I'm, I'm telling you, like, whatever whatever it takes. Like, he, Jesus is there. He's, he's present. The, the claim in all this is that Jesus eventually died uh, for the sins of, of all of us and all these people living at this time. And then he rose again. Like, he came back to life again. And the, the claim is he's still alive. And he's still working. And he's still right here. So right now, right here, as we sing the next couple songs, he's here. And so if you want to be closer to Jesus, you get an opportunity in about two minutes to just tell him, I want to be closer to you. And, and to believe that he's actually here listening to what we're going to say to him. Um, when you go home, he's actually there waiting for you as well, right? And so all the time, we have these opportunities to just come. And so the question we have to ask is, when I read this kind of a thing, do I believe this actually happened? Do I believe it's real? Do I believe Jesus cares about me? And that, man, that invitation is there. It's a lifelong thing. We're always going to be growing. We're always going to be learning new things, new needs, um, different experiences we have are going to drive us back to him again and again. But man, any, like, there's a sense in which what this man was struggling with was a good blessing in his life because it led him to see, I need to get to Jesus right now. And he found more than he was bargaining for, the forgiveness of sins, a whole, like a holistic healing, not just of his body, but also of his soul. Amen. We're going to have week by week of just opening these stories about Jesus. And I'm just inviting us, let's see ourselves in these stories. Let's, let's respond to what Jesus is doing. And let's look at our situation today, everything we're experiencing now, and just say, um, Lord, be, be in it with me. Let me to respond to it. So let's, uh, let's pray and kind of offer this next little bit of time to the Lord. Lord, I'm so thankful for this beautiful story of you healing a man that was so desperate to be in your presence. Lord, thank you that this was recorded. Thank you that we can read it now. Lord, I just pray for my brothers and sisters here in this room that are um, that are just feeling great, like feeling the sense of like, I, Lord, I need you and I know that you're here. Those that are on top of the world spiritually and just feeling that closeness to you. Lord, would you bless them? Would you nurture that? Would you, would you sow those seeds of faith in their lives and the lives of the rest of our community? May, they, may their hope and their faith in you um, spread and, um, and encourage the rest of us. Lord, I also pray for those that came in this morning and are more heavy burdened, um, are more just hanging on to what's there. Lord, would you speak to those of us as well and just, and just help us to see, Lord, that you're there for us. Lord, help us to believe that we don't need to have it all figured out, but that you are there waiting to heal, waiting to speak, waiting to um, forgive and cleanse and heal us. Lord, I pray for a healing in our church family that is physical. I know there's many things, Lord, we've been praying for you to heal physically, but also, Lord, spiritually, would you speak into our souls, and may we find the love and grace and hope in you that is there. Lord, may we see and believe that it's there with you, and would you draw us close to yourself. We're just so thankful that we have this time with you. May you hear our voices and may you speak to our hearts, we pray, in Jesus' name.